Well, Shabbat Shalom and good morning. We're in Bechukotai. This is known as the Parsha of, and forgive me for saying it, curses. Um, so what I want to do is actually spend most of our time Bechukotai, yes, Laws 767, chapter 26, verse 3. We're going to talk about both the explicit and implicit, and Rick, either work. So chapter 26, verse 3, in the book of Leviticus, I really just want to read this first paragraph because the framing of the conversation I'd like to have is there's only uh, about 10 verses of blessing and there's about 75 verses of curses. The question, even as a curses, may you this, and if you don't, and I will, and all that. Uh, so I have three general questions I want you guys to be first inhabiting here. What is the Oreo cookie of this chapter, meaning, have you ever heard of the Oreo cookie? You give a compliment, then you give a long critique, but you end with, I love you, and we'll make sure it's okay. You've never heard this? It's called the Oreo cookie way of critique. Uh, I think... Uh, God, Okay. Well, I find this to be a double-stuffed Oreo. Uh, and what I want to ask is quality versus quantity. So while you hear these blessings, you you hear a parent of a God and a Moses that is extremely insecure with letting his children, his offspring, go to do what they do. And I want you to hear that, number one. Number two, is it all a metaphor? To what extent are we really truly worried about sword, bread, and idolatry? And I'm going to make the argument, is it explicit that it is an internal oyev? So when someone said, oy, your oyev, your enemies are your own oys. This is something that God is actually telling you explicitly is that your fear and your turning away is both self-inflicted and then I also want to say communally is an opportunity to resolve itself. And then I'm lost, th- I'm lost with your language. Yes, okay. Your oy, I don't understand oh. what Oyev in Hebrew, oyev are your enemies. Okay. Oy so that we, when we say what our, our tsuris is, true wrote also, enemies, those adversaries, we externalize those often. And in the Torah, we're talking about other uh, idols and worshipers. And, and yet, I think that it, I think it is explicit in this Bechukotai that we are talking about an internal sadness, fear, Anxiety that is, in fact, our undoing. So when we use the expression oi or oi ve, it, it has nothing to do with this. Uh, well, I believe it does. Our ois, oi ve's mir, that oyev, is the tsuris that I externalize. If it wasn't for this job, if it wasn't for this next meeting, if it wasn't for this breakfast, if it wasn't for, for Shabbat dinner with my in-laws... <laughs> my 
it's kind of an oh, oh no. Well, it's in a simpler joke. It's you know when anytime you have one point pointed finger pointing out, and I forgive me for pointing, you got three fingers pointing back. Are we truly worried about all the idolaters within this land? I, let's read and, and ask ourselves what that is. Now, the final point is, is this an either or? It seems to be presenting, God seems to be presenting, if you follow my ways, we're going to read it explicitly. And I think this is what I want you to ask as parents, as, as human beings. We present the conditional case, but truly there's an unconditional relationship. And so I want to really look at that second half of this blessing and ask, okay, so we've, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, there's a pretty heavy hammer here. But at the end is the resolution that we know that after a certain period of time, you'll always come back. Here we are, we're so far away from Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and yet this tshuva, this sense of we have to acknowledge where we've gone wrong and where we've strayed, but is that an inevitable return? What is the Torah telling us? Is it one of these conditionals? And if you don't, you're done? And this is maybe my hope and my faith is that no, that is not what God is commanding or uh, threatening. Because that's not my God. That's not my relationship. Bechukotai. So, Bechukotai. There are chukim and mishpatim. So a mishpat is a law making sense. Like, do not murder. Um, honor your parents, I'd say, with a mishpat. A chok, do not mix wool and linen. It's just not what we do. Do not eat the bacon double cheeseburger. Now, we can explain why the explanation of why you don't mix wool and linen, it's going to be far-fetched. As Nachmanides says, the reason you keep these ways is to show that you have a community of ways. But that is not a law with rationale. Yeah? So first I want to bless you guys explicitly. And Rita, I don't know if this is your penultimate class or ultimate class, but as a stalwart learner and Torah learner and lover... Uh, your contributions to our community are enumerated uh, and I can't enumerate them now but just even working with you for one year on high holidays here all of your Torah is a tremendous blessing and um, I want to give this blessing not only to this class but to your uh, dedication and love for Torah in Israel and this Kihilat Israel. Would a bribe help? <laughs> <laughs> So I want you to hear this blessing, and for all of us, and truly this is what I wish for all of you, and for all of us as a society, that when you follow my laws and faithfully observe my commandment, I will give rains in their season, the earth shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will overtake the vintage and your vintage should overtake the sowing. And you should eat Yasig Edzera Vachaltem Lochmechem Lisova Vishavtem Lavetach Baartsachem. You shall eat your fill of bread, which is a poor translation, and you eat your bread 
to satisfy. You hear the difference? One is you eat your fill of bread, you get your ration. The other is after you eat, you feel satisfied. Is that gluten-free bread? Uh, not for me, Mickey. I, I, I don't know if I'd ever get that sense of satisfaction. However, the Impossible Burger is getting closer. Vishavtem lavetach ba'artzachem. And I just want to end with, you dwell in security in your land. It begins with the vegetal, it begins with the agricultural, it begins with the meteorological, it ends with the psycho, the psychological. It ends that you're, you're safe, you feel full, you are well. You said that you didn't think bread was a good translation. It's not bread. It's about you could read it literally and you will eat your bread to the point of satisfaction, which seems to be everyone will get their rations. But if you've ever seen, well, I remember my Zadie's making sure every last morsel was wiped up. And if you left a plate and then I go to Tachabat and I see a kid with 15 chicken nuggets, you know, and he eats a quarter of them. I want, I want, I want this difference of generations. Neither are really satisfied. Once on my Zadie side, it just never felt enough. It just, no matter how much the plate was clean, and he made sure that I never took more than I would eat, and you made sure your plate was always clean. Here on the other end, the kids, you know, they're still looking for more challah, and they turn around, and there are other kids that are beautiful, and these are beautiful children. They also are not satisfied. So that's why I think the translation is, is I don't believe the Torah is literal. Literally, that's what I'm trying to say. That in, you're well in your land, you're at peace in your land, and I can make the point here: you have a government. There is an election. They form a government and they rule. They do not fight one another and try to disband and continue new elections. May we have peace and security in Israel. I pray for it every day. So, and again, let's turn the page now. We're. Uh, Chapter uh, 26, verse 6. What does it mean that I will grant peace in the land? That's, by the way, charedim. Charedim machrid is that same Hebrew word. You shall lie down untroubled. You lay at rest. I will give the land respite from vicious beasts. No sword shall cross your land. And you will pursue your oyev. This is what I meant, Judith. You will pursue your enemies. When I have challenges, I'll be able to equip myself to face them. And they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall give chase to a hundred, and a hundred shall give chase to ten thousand. Your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. And remember, I translate Aretz, which is literally the land of Israel here, as the field of experience, the ideal field of experience. The irony, and, and the prophets, I could prove it, 
Jeremiah wants Egypt to become Israel. Jeremiah wants the diaspora ultimately to become a healthy space with an epicenter in Eretz Kochenu, in the Holy Land, but that it is a blessing that we are throughout the world and not a curse. So, I will look with favor upon you. I'm on verse 9, chapter 26. I hope you feel blessed. You really should. I mean, we all should. Almost I feel like meditation should be before Torah study. I will look with favor upon you. Ufaniti alechem. Anybody in the Hebrew faniti pen? What is panim el panim? I'll face you. I mean, we could spend a lot of time look with favor. What does that mean? Yeah. No, I see the face of the divine where I look because I have that security let alone the multiplication table, and I know you feel this as people of business or even in social scenes, when five people can plan for 150, a woman's retreat, when we can celebrate 300 people here celebrating Israel with a committee of three, three can serve 500, 10 can serve 1,000. You know when you have it going, you have an exponential power to impact the world. You shall eat old grain long stored and have new and have to clear out the old to make room for the new. I will establish Mishkani Betochem. I will establish my abode in your midst. And I will not turn away from you. I will be forever. Hit halachti betochechem. Vayiti lachem Elohim. How is I will be ever present translated for Hebrew speakers? Hit halachti. What does that mean? Holech. I will walk myself with you. I'm walking with you. Wherever you go, I walk with you. Just to increase this sense of wherever you go, I will walk with you. So yes, it starts talking about Israel as a location, as a place at that mikdash. I strongly believe this means wherever you go, you will feel this sense, not only of security, but potency and power and safety. One more thing about language. Yes. Ani, and punim is Yiddish? Yes. That's right. Shaina punim. I didn't mean that explicitly. That would be awkward, but yes. <laughs> and I will go with you. And you will be with God. And you will be my... You will be to me... A collective. It doesn't say you shall be my people. I just, maybe I'm being too pedantic. I know I am. To you, Lila'am, and you will be to a unit, a people. If it was, you will be my people, to you, Lila'ami. You see the difference? When we work together collectively, when we choose to make ourselves in security and exponential power, 
That is when God walks with us. And it's not saying, you are my treasure, Asher Bacharbanu Mikol Amim in this. It's saying when you do these things, when you walk in these ways, you will have an exponential power to this world. And I am the Lord your God because you have this specific mission. Asher I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. Now, if I say this, you guys can finish the sentence. I know. Lihiot lahem what? Elohim. This is what it says in Exodus. It says, I took you out of the land of Egypt to be liot lahem nalem, to be your God. Here it says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, so you're trained almost to hear uh, to be your God. Mihiot lahem avadim. From being slaves. So you actually have a tremendous freedom to choose how you come together and collectively inspire the world. As a cynic, may I read? Yeah, please. Uh, two things. Uh, one is just a comment. Is this where uh, you shall be my people? Is this the cho- where chosen people come from? So, no. And I'm, and I'm doubling down that this is not what this means. It means that when in Israel we do, no, in, in Exodus you are Am Segula, you are my cherished people. I'm not going to try to uh, reinterpret that. But this one is saying, you have a special mission to break the yoke of slavery in order to be a holy nation. Is it chosen? I'm going to debate that because I'm a Reconstructionist my rabbi. My question now. is, yeah. that I brought you out of slavery, you obey me and all these good things will happen. And implicitly, you are now my slave. Because if you don't, these good things won't happen. Which means you so the way, the way Heschel puts it, me'avdut l'cheirut la'avdut. From slavery to freedom to service. Yes. You, yes, you're right. You have an obligation to follow these pathways out of your own free will. You better do it. Do whatever you want to do. This is why I feel it. I feel impaired. It's a little bit of a guilt trip. Don't go to college. Go ahead. You have a choice. You have a choice. Yeah, my, my mom's great. You could be a doctor, a lawyer, or a rabbi. Isn't, isn't there a midrash of God holding Mount Sinai above the Jews and saying, Choose. Away, would you like Absolutely. You want these commandments? Absolutely. The Olech etchem komumiyut. And I will walk with you upright. So, but George, you know the difference when you do work that you love and you're inspired and it's a team versus, all right, I'm dialing it in, check, play the card. They could look exactly the same. And this is, again, what I'm trying to say. This is not external factors. Rick? So I think there's another interpretation where... You know, it says, I am your God, and you shall be my people. But it's really, this is that statement of adoption. Um, and this is what, the, you know, another text says, that this is you know, part of the covenantal moment between um, God and the people of Israel. So whether or not that's the, you know, chosen mm-hmm. text, which shows up somewhere else, but, you know, this is that sort of, you know, reiteration of the covenant. And this is what's kind of blowing my mind in this reading right now is this is covenant. This is breach. That's unconditional. 
And yet it seems here very conditional. So then I have to interpret for myself, this is what I'm trying to get through is, all of this conditional is unconditional. Okay, don't go to college. Really? I mean, that was not going to happen. That was not going to happen in my life. Fine, don't eat. I dare, you know, to my kids, like, they didn't want seven different options for dinner. Fine, don't eat. Two hours, uh, an hour later, you know, I'm like, okay, you, oh, fine, you get pizza. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. It's establishing a partnership. Is it? So this is my challenge with the end. This is the end of Leviticus. This is that final end. And if you look just a few chapters before in Kiddoshim, you're both absolutely right. Kiddoshim to Yuki, Kadoshani, be holy, I am holy. This is our breed. This is what we're supposed to do. Well, and partnerships always have requirements on both sides. I'll do this if you do that in a partnership. And we're both obligated to do this. And if you don't, partnership is broken. You will suffer. Right. So here's where we're now. We're going to get into the middle of the Oreo cookie. But I don't know, because I also want to feel this is all one big blustering God, who's so nervous and scared that we're not going to do what we're going to do because we know this. We 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 see how it plays out not only in Babylonia but in Israel itself. And the desolation that they're actually looking potentially, if we look at this historically, JEDP, as the Bible, you know, was uh, crafted through this, this is the latest source. It's potential that the priestly book that's trying to explain the idealized ritual was written outside of Israel because it was desolate. So they're actually writing this condition as a statement of sadness. That's another way to look at this. I mean, we're looking at it as if you do. And again, what I want to say is through all of this, I do not, I believe it's more than just metaphor. It's not externalities. It's really what's inside me. I know that no matter what my mind is telling me in the morning, I must get up and make the sandwiches. (laughs) I have to read the paper. Oh, and I wanted to share this with you. That those, it says that the beginning of the curses, Rashi explicitly says seven different things. These are the punishments. What happens? The slackerness of it is seven steps. You begin to not learn. So you don't study. So thank God all of you here are already not that. So you don't learn and then you don't observe. So you don't do these things that you usually do. Three. Then you look at others who do observe and say, ech, those people. How silly are they? Four. This is from Rashi. You treat the sages with enmity. You look at your teachers and you look at the... Ach, Rashi, what a fool. I'm saying, that's a negative example. I don't think so. I think this is genius. Four. Five. You prevent others from observing. First you just mock them and then you literally don't allow them to do the thing that is most vital to them. Five, uh, six, you deny that the commandments ever existed and seven, you deny the existence of God. Wow, that's quite a jump. It's, <laughs> that was a lot of time. And it starts, uh, although, step by... First day you don't read the paper. <laughs> but you know what? You know, we joke, but yes. 
Because uh, how many of you, ugh, the paper, it's so miserable these days, yeah. these years, yeah, yeah. this lifetime. Yeah. I can't read the paper. It's just too troubling. Oh, don't, don't listen to that hopey, changey stuff. Or on the other side, don't listen to the, the crisis. They don't know what they're doing, either right or left. It's not what I'm, my point. And then you start to denigrate, and you say, you know what, democracy? Eh, there's no such thing anyway. It's just a, right. Yes, breaks my heart. I mean, breaks God's. I know God doesn't have a heart, but yes, this divine imperative. So this is what I want to frame this, these curses I just tochecha, rebukes their parents, yes. But there are atheists who are very ethical, learned people, so it's a little, it's a little bit... Number three, for those that say spurning those who don't observe, as soon as you don't do that... And in fact, I want to flip it. This evening I'm giving a sermon about tikkun olam and, and mitzvah and commandment. If I say, and I feel, Susan, next year... Uh, composting I'm telling you I just couldn't do it I couldn't compost with my boys this year and I really wanted to but if I told Susan I said you know what it's all a myth because I hear from my kid you know what the green bins are giving it back from China anyway you can't even recycle it doesn't matter it's costing nothing don't worry about it or the way an adolescent does it he just takes the one plastic cup that I had left over from some kiddish and uses that cup and then throws it in the trash like but what I'm saying is, is that I dis here, if we can elevate, and this is what I would say to Susan and to all of us, is that those that go and do tikkun olam for the sake of Judaism and Israel, but for the sake of our souls and for power, and if I disempower that, I'm not following the law. And if there's someone who wants Shabbat observance and wants minyan and wants uh, halachot and wants the actual observance of tzniyut or actual observance of things that maybe I have not fallen in the same path, if I can support that pathway too, im telechu. It's not in the singular, it's in the plural. This is why atheism, I think, falls well under this rubric. Or to say differently, most ethical atheists that I listen to and believe and read and study, these are my rabbis. <laughs> these are the these are my these are my my teachers. Okay. So now let me curse you a bit, please. And cursing I don't mean F and sh but I do mean rebuke. And it's Tokhabahava, we can say a few things this this comes with love, this comes out of a sense of sadness. I feel it's a very heavy Jewish guilt trip, but you're going to hear it. And the other is we say this very quietly when we read this Parsha uh, in the in synagogue. We read it very quietly in hushed tones, and we push through it. Very hard to follow sometimes. It's usually the best Torah reader in the house. It's The Aliyah is, you don't break this Aliyah. And it's it's very powerful as we read it. So I'm going to try to replicate that uh, in this reading. But if you don't follow me and observe all of these commandments, see, it doesn't say that. Et kol and this whole entirety, if you reject my laws and you do not observe levilti asot, it says levilti asot, I'm on verse 15, so that you do not observe all my commandments, it does not say that levilti asot means I absolutely deny everything that you do. I won't do any of it. This is the eating the cheeseburger on Yom Kippur. Like, I'm just going to make it explicit. I am out. 
I will in turn do this to you. Af ani. And anytime you hear af, it both means the flaming nose of God. You want to get you want to get nasty? Let's get nasty. I will wreak misery upon you. Alechem bahalla et hashachefet vet hakadachat machlot enaim umidivot nafesh uzartem lerik zarchem vochluhu oivechem. I, I wanted to read you the Hebrew. These are not. These are very explicit terms. They are terms of Egypt, <coughs> of the plagues that were leashed against the Egyptians. I will wreak misery, consumption, fever, eyes to pine, body to languish. You sow your seed to no purpose. Your enemies shall consume them. I will set my face. Oh, by the way, uh, Rashi says, uh, no, uh, a barvanel that your enemies will eat your seed. It means that your generations, your children will marry the in-laws that you hate. <laughs> that was in Spain. That was a great modern interpretation. No, no. I, I think I, this is what I'm asking, really, to, to say, wait, no. So, but here... I will set ultimate curse. By the way. <laughs> oh no! Come on, we haven't even started. We haven't even started. This. He's just well. This text is just getting going. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, so you see to no purpose. Does that mean meaninglessness, or is it just the rabbis debate it? So Larik. Culturally, you're sowing the seed, and, and your enemies get to eat. Is it cross purposes so that? When we are fighting one another, I want to do this, I want to do that, so nothing happens, or is it just meandering, wandering? I think it's, it's a slow build. You've turned away. And here it says, 17, I set my face against you, so just as I said, I will look fondly in the positive, it says, Venatati panai bachem, and I will put my face within them. This, for me, is the saddest thing. You know when someone else has a glow and you don't have that glow? That's what I think it's saying. You just don't feel that magic you had or you thought you never, you, you never lost it, I think. This is what I'm saying. It's an internal. Because it says it explicitly now. I will set my face against you, shall be routed by your enemies and your foes dominate you. You flee though none pursues. Now I want to take a little discussion here. That's the big deal. That's what I want to say. Constant fear. And now my only question is, were all of the first ones that were routing your enemies, were they real enemies or were they just something that was paranoia? There are real issues. And, well, it could be triggered. I mean, uh, the coffee did spill. Yeah. The question is, do you get spun out by that moment and that everything you do is now fear-based and you can't really live la vetta? Creation of anxiety. So, yes, it's a, this is when you don't walk in my ways. When you have a system of life that resonates with health. I mean, think about the Friday that you've created here. 
Torah study, meditation, yoga, little rest, come back, children, elders, coming together, all. This is a good way. This is a good way. It's healthy. It's right. So is it explicit? Is it external or internal? It is really psychological. It's very psychological that you're fleeing though nobody pursues. It's not so much the physicality of it. Because what happens when you run out of these real enemies? They turn to perceived enemies. So this is why oyev, oyvechem, is, this is my oyvechem. And if for all that, and this tells you again that this is kind of apparent that he's using this it's the threat. There have been studies about this with neglect and abuse, that this is actually more dangerous, holding your hand up, than actually hitting them. Mm-hmm. The fear and the threat. The fear. I love the first ten sentences. <laughs> but I also, I'm motivated by this. I actually was with a bad mitzvah student yesterday. She's like, I love guilt trips. <laughs> they motivate me, they power me, and they're right. If I don't do these things, bad things are going to happen. We're still in meeting number two. We'll see how that ends up. <laughs> so here, I will go on to discipline you sevenfold. Sheva al chatotechem. This is why Rashi listed out those seven and then continued to enumerate. I will make your skies like iron and your earth like copper <coughs> so that your strength shall be spent to no purpose. Now, I could go environmental here. We see some of the base, the groundwaters, etc. But it's that your strength shall be spent to no purpose. Again, there's futility. Your land shall not yield its produce, nor the trees of the land yield their fruit. But it's a hybrid here. It's, it's, but we know this. Uh, George, back to work and slavery. I'm doing my job. I'm dialing in it. I'm doing what I, they asked me to do. It's a report. I give the report. It's a meeting. I sit in the meeting. It's an internal issue. But over a year, two years of that, you're going to lose your job. You, should, you shouldn't keep your job. You're not motivated. You're doing it as a slave. And therefore, you're, you're, you won't yield fruit because you don't feel secure in your land. So I think the psycho, so it is a psychological <clears throat> nexus out of fear, but it has devastating results in the real world, in our relationships, in our language, and how we, how we do these things. And I do want to, I want to say, I think we curse ourselves much more than we bless ourselves explicitly. Yes, Rick. Well, I wanted to go back to the um, God's facing you or turning away because... Um, Excuse me, I'm going to use the male terms, but, you know, God, my father, my king. Yeah, yeah. So this is about God, the father, or God, the parent. And, I mean, when your parent faces you, and they look at you, and they accept you, that means everything. And when God or your parent turns away, and they dismiss you, um, it's everything, too, in the negative. So it is psychological. Uh. And when they turn, and when that parent turns to sibling or other things, or quite frankly, work, 
Mm-hmm. That devastation is, it, it, it is, it's core. Machayeni, machasteni, what is my life? What is my worth? Lama azavti, why have you left me? These are the Psalms. By the way, these are the Psalms. This is why I want to say, we're in the middle of the Oreo cookie, so forgive me. Although the fluff, it's like a nasty, it's like a broccoli Oreo. It's just really, I, I like broccoli. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm getting far afield. I'm feeling that distance. I'm feeling that anxiety. I'm feeling that pain. I'm open to that sense of insecurity. Thank God. Because what is the first part of this? You're going to turn away. You're not going to care. Levilti asot. I don't care. You know this with students. The one who's a pain in the tush, you're like, okay, he's got something, she's got something. The one who's like, ah, I don't care, whatever. But there's, there's, there's sort of one other piece to it because, um, you know, the last sentence talks about, you know, running away with fear even though nobody's chasing you. You know, there's a concept in Judaism where, you know, being God-fearing. So it's almost like if you don't fear God, then you fear everything. Oh, in that place. That's a good point. I will lose wild beasts against you. Uh, Verse 22. They shall bereave you of your children and wipe out your cattle. They shall decimate you and your roads shall be deserted. Just think about the contrast between having no pathways. What was the positive? Wherever you go, I will go. It doesn't matter. What's the curse? See, I don't read these as beasts. It's just your animals. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. And yes, you will destroy the pathways to health. I don't know. Should I? Should I eat? Should I not eat? You know, they, they were cupcakes. I guess they had cupcakes last night. So there's like 17 red velvet cupcakes. <laughs> Part of me is like, who cares? I don't know. One, two, it doesn't matter. But there are pathways. There are pathways in little and in big. Can I really feel that panai, that face that says, I know it is hard and arduous, a long road towards health, but wherever I go, that sense of security. And it, I don't, and unfortunately, this is the challenge. I may be a fear based rabbi. Because I am worried if I lose these ways and I turn away and I don't feel that sense of health. You were skipping over the first sentence of each paragraph, but this is really cumulative. Oh, please, please. And, and each time it says, and if that punishment doesn't turn you back to my ways, then I'll go farther. So there's always the, im, the ability the to im. turn back each time. The im. And this is what's so beautiful. I, you stole the thunder at the end, but we got 20 minutes. If, if, if. Always that conditional. Always that chance of turning away. Yes? Well, I just, I think it seems to me that these are constant questions. Yes. Like, you know, the question of being read like they're threats. It's being read like, you know, you must or else. And in the, yes, but in reality, you don't get out of bed and then whatever. <coughs> that these things will happen, but, but that ultimate choice is yours. And so I don't look at it as, because I don't think I'm not well motivated by 
I fear. I'm not well motivated by if you don't do this, then I might do it, but then I'll resent the heck out of it and I'll act out in a certain kind of way. That's mine. So for me, if I just look at this as a so loving, yeah, I'm not sure about the way it's written, but you know, my <laughs> it's just a consequence. Mm -hmm. I don't get up and brush my teeth every day, I'm going to lose a lot of friends, I'll probably lose my teeth, <laughs> oh, and I won't be able to eat, I won't be very happy because I won't have any friends. I mean, this just seems to me like, I don't know. So that question of I will send pestilence among you, is this a God-given plague, or is this if we don't care for our society, that ultimately we're going to have 72 cases of measles in upstate New York? Right. We do it to ourselves. Combo. I think, you know, and this is obviously an interpretation. I'm not saying, please, God, don't. I will follow all your laws. But I know that if I just every day continue to work towards the health, that ultimately health will eem, those eems. And I do think that the if, the possibility, can be looked at on the paternalistic side, if, or the maternalistic side, not, not literally sex, but just the aspect of aim. Aim is the mother. That if, if only, if only. It's, it's, there's an if. There's, there's the harsh, and then there's a compassionate if. If you do these things, back to that beginning of blessing. So then your cities are laid in ruins. Your sanctuaries are desolate. I won't save you. Your pleasing odors. I love this Ibn Ezra. He says, so your sanctuaries may or may not be desolate, but you're clearly making the food. This is when I know I'm sad, is if it's a delicious meal or it's a good service and I'm still unsatisfied. This goes back to that blessing. God's not smelling the rech nichoch. So what does that mean? We can't enjoy the very satisfaction that we have. So I make the land desolate, Hashimoti, I'm on verse 32, so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled by it. Oh, I'm sorry, chapter 26. Did I skip? Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, there's plenty more. Oh, sorry. Where do you want me to be? Wherever you want to say. 23. Good, 23. 21, 23, 21. Forgive me, 23. I just, I skipped two pages. I will in turn smite you sevenfold, bring a sword, withdraw into your cities, send pestilence among you. And when I break your staff of bread, ten women shall bake bread in a single oven. What does that mean? It means you do not have capacity. I'm on verse 26. Chapter 26. I don't know. I think there is enough, but we haven't created capacity. So there's this run on the market so that there's only one oven for 10 people to cook. We've got three kitchens. We're so blessed. We can have three different events going on at any one time. That is blessing. When you feel this sense of scarcity, even though there is no scarcity. And then the second one, though they shall dole out bread by weight, and though you eat, you shall not be satisfied. Again, I think it ends on the psychological. Mm -hmm. 
and you go with me in this either cross purposes or for nothing. I will act against you. Af ani sheva al chatotechem. I will seven seven times. What is it? Double down seven times. Mm-hmm. And you shall eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. So the the rabbis actually, they interpret this many different ways. But you just have to remember that in Babylonia, when Jerusalem was in ultimate despair in the time of Jeremiah, the poverty was extraordinary. And that these people are in ultimate desperation. And this we have from Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, when we read Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, it talks about this very thing, cannibalism. But again, I believe it is a metaphor that you, that you consume, your children become your own fodder. You're not producing fruits of your labor. You are actually consuming your principle. You're destroying your own product. And I will heap your carcasses upon your lifeless fetishes. Ooh, that was nice. Yes? No, so you skipped the beginning of the sentence. I will destroy your cult, pal. It's about idolatry, Well, Bama. See, I think that's an externalization about them and the idolaters. I think what it's saying, because of the line just before about the Rech Nichoach, or soon to come, it's that your own worship places, because you have no respect for law or ways or customs, your own places that you think you're celebrating God have become those cult-like places. Because a Bama, Bamotechem, when it says cult place, a Bama is just a raised altar. What's more scary? That we turn into a cult? Oh my God, is anybody following Nexium? Oh, God, it's horrific. That we become a cult, another cult, or that our tradition, our Israelite tradition, turns into the very opposite of what we want. I don't know what's scarier. Becoming something else entirely, or thinking that we are the very thing that we want to be, but we've become the opposite of what we truly embody. Sorry to freak you all out, but this was the Torah. Yeah? I'm thinking as you're reading these, the curses and the, the consequences of, of action, how these themes are the same themes that are pervasive in the Greek myths and in all of Shakespeare. Uh, these are the basis of, of most literature, I think. Um, yeah, I think Campbell would agree. Uh, Campbell, Campbell, Joseph Campbell, Campbell, this you know hero of a thousand faces, the Deuteronomistic history. Yeah, when you when you think about the power of the gods in the Greek stories and what they do to people who don't do what they're supposed to be according to the gods doing, when you think about the plays of Shakespeare and the the difficulties of family relationships and how. Betrayal and dishonesty and greed and it's just 
I hear it. The same. But I think themes. Simil- these, these are specific, but they've been generalized through human history. And and yet the layer of this internal that you are the locus of this divine quality, mm-hmm. that is different. And the potential at any time to turn, for me at least, or to look at the Greek myths, I don't really have a choice in that. I'm reading them, and I'm reading that that powerful, uh, powerful story that is, I'm not that player. Those are the Greek gods. Here, God is saying, you have this choice. Well, in the Greek tragedies and in Shakespeare, I think there are choices, and good and bad choices made on a regular basis. Thank you, Judah. <laughs> yes? I just want to say thank you. If you make the right choices and it ends up bad. They're not always bound to eternity, you know, what happens to those gods. Right. We have a choice. We have a Right. And I think the Greek stories do not resonate with me as much as Torah because I am this character walking within it. Yeah. For me. That's for me. And here... I really I want to double down and say your sanctuaries are desolate and I will not save your pleasing orders. This is where I agree. I believe it was Ibn Ezra. I studied it this morning. He says, no, your synagogues are full, but they just don't they don't resonate with holiness. Scarier. I mean, that visceral sense of like oh my God, it's desolate and destroyed and burning everywhere. When I'm sad and I'm really struggling, that's not the world that I'm looking at. It's a beautiful world. I'm just going through without a path, not knowing that way. So that's why I, I believe it's a, it's a psychological uh, uh, challenge to us rather than this actual uh, threat that would be fulfilled so that your enemies and settle in it will be appalled by that land and I'll scatter you among the nations Mm -hmm. and I'll unsheath the sword against you this I love Gershonides a different commentator he says every crisis (laughs) I mean literally every crisis brings opportunity thank God they did not bring sword against us in the diaspora yes Um, to bring back to what's happening now in the community yes in South Africa today, exactly that's happened. The tribes have turned against each other, mm. and a wonderful, rich land has been destroyed because of people themselves are destroying each other. And it's, it's exactly like they're saying that it's tribal warfare. And the warning is if you carry on being tribes against each other, you will destroy the land, you will destroy yourselves. Yeah, and lack of law. And a real lack of law. You can't find law when the tribes fight against each other because it's always one against the other. Mm. You never have one unified ability to rule. Yeah. It's chaos. Ramaphosa is the new. Ramaphosa. Right. He's not Zulu. The person before him was Zulu. Yes. He's Kosa. The Zulus will never believe him. And he will never support and it's and this. Mm. That is a very challenging. I did not uh, try to map South Africa on this. 
we, we as Jews today, we don't have, we're not sensitive to tribes, but we are to some extent ideological tribes. Where within Judaism, we have progressive versus orthodox, orthodox A versus orthodox B, and... Oh, I'd say what's happening, well, now I'm... Not to this extent. You know, one line. The tribal, we are very tribal in the way that we operate, certainly within Israel. I think what mm-hmm. Lieberman and Netanyahu are doing in pitting the ultra-Orthodox or Orthodox against uh, Russian because the Russian community, Avigdor Lieberman, is losing his base, I think that's very much one of these tribal issues, refusing to build consensus. Uh, and so... The I fear. Genetic tribes. Ah, that's, right. We're not genetic tribes, but we're ideological or whatever. This I find fascinating. I'm going to pivot just a bit. Thank you for that comparison, and it's frightening. And I know it's a scary time. I wish all that are there in Johannesburg, and uh, I know, I know how difficult it is. Then the land shall make up for its Sabbath years. I'm on verse 34. Which I find fascinating. Here's a, this is almost, we're on uh, 772, chapter 30, 26, verse 34. I want to get to the blessing. It's so important. We're only like one more, we're only one more page. And what it's trying to say is, you know what? This is just a natural rhythm. You guys chose not to rest the land every seven years. If you don't do that for 70 years, you know what? I'm going to make it lie fallow for 70 years. If you guys don't do the work that it takes to do, I know this with my back, that if I don't do the exercises every day, my back's going to go out and I'm out for three weeks. If you don't do your homework every day, okay, fine. You got away with it, but you're going to pay back. You're going to have to take a whole year of math again. No, that's not happening in my family. I'm trying to give you different metaphors. But that is also a self-inflicting and, in some ways, a healthy natural recalibration. You ignore things for too long, that's going to come out, and then throughout that time it's desolate, and you're in the land of your enemies, and then the land shall rest and make up. Throughout the time it's desolate, it shall observe the rest that did not observe in your Shabbat years while you were dwelling in it. That somehow, and this is, the field always goes back to equilibrium. You will turn away. This is a very different threat than if you don't, then I'm gonna. You know what? Do what you do. It's gonna work itself out. Throughout the time that it's desolate, it shall observe the Sabbath years. It's incredible. The field itself will do what it does. As for those who survive... This is the scariest for me. I will cast a faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight. Yeah, yes. The nisharim bachem and those that remain with you, the heveti morech bilvachem. Morech, very rare word. Rach is thin, so giving thinness. You're thin-skinned. I don't want to say hypersensitive because I think you're just you're weak. Defining. 
Hi, yes. Veradaf otam kol ale nidaf. And you will flee and pursue, you will feel pursued by a rustling breeze. Been there. Like I, it, when I, the more we go into this, the more unsettled I get. I'm sorry, I know. <laughs> it seems to me the, that the JEPD folks that are doing this are basically saying, I don't use your dummies. You need to be hit over the head. <laughs> the score in this is never, it's always 10 0. It's never 7 3 or 6 4. You either huh. win it and do everything I tell you to do every single day, or I'm just going to beat the crap out of you. Okay? Why don't, is, that, is this also to sort of give license to the Jews that say, you know, if you draft, my kids, bad things will happen to you because I study Torah and Talmud. You can't do that. Or if there's a Holocaust, you Jews deserved it because you didn't behave the way I told you. So we only have a few minutes. I think this is a rotten lesson to learn. Now I want to conclude with this. I think you got to eat the whole sandwich. I guarantee you that in many Orthodox yeshivas, they're going to be reading this parsha to say, yeah. "We study for the sake of the Lord." They don't understand we are Tzeva Hashem, and Avigdor Lieberman should go to wherever he needs to go. That's only polarizing us more. I think that when we finally hear, with no one pursuing, they stumble over you as before the sword. Which means, is there a sword pursuing? No. No, and. With love was, I, I don't know where bejesus comes from, but I did, was shaken to my core in my 10th grade year because I could have ended up as a slacker and a, I don't, I don't want to say loser, but I was not that engaged in learning and I didn't care about whatever. That was what my sister did. And my, my yes, I, I got this speech, but it's in an Oreo cookie. And I just think we got to eat the so whole sandwich for the, because it's ultimately at the end. Your enemies, your oyev, is something that's internal, and it's couched in this im 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 and if and if and when. So I shift. All you have to do is shift if and when. I'm going to be there. You're doing your thing, and I know that people have struggled with um, addiction or people that are just simply cannot hear you. You can't hear me right now. But when you do, I'm here, and when I hope we can find a time to come back and talk, I'll be there, I'll be there, and they are there. So that's why this eem, this conditional, I want to flip, and I didn't have enough time to do it, but that flip is, it is always there. And it's scary, this world is scary, but if you walk with me, we can do this together, and we can conquer not just your problems, we can conquer the world. Conquer. We can truly give a field of experience that is holy and beautiful. Because perish among the nations, the land of your enemies will consume you. Your service will consume you. But those who survive shall be heartsick in this in this area when I see us turning away. They're heartsick of the iniquities of what my ancestors did, my parents. But they are going to confess, I know it, I haven't done well enough, there's more to do. 
And so I know those were hostile to me, but I in turn was with lowest common denominator been hostile to them. And now I'm here in this service, in this sadness, in this pain. It has turned that it, it moved from blessing in the land to curse in the land, to just being in another land. And now I am cursed in this other land. But now from that place, I can try to convert myself into a righteous individual and I humble myself and I will atone for that iniquity and I will remember my covenant with Yaakov, also with Isaac, also with Abraham and then I will remember what this field of experience is. And in Hebrew, v'zacharti et priti, v'afet priti Yitzchak, v'afet priti Avraham. Rick, this is covenant, 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 which is unconditional. Eskor v'ha'aretz eskor. That when I remember what I am meant to do, this land and field will resonate with the righteousness of my own life. For this land shall be rid of these weak-heartedness and will make up the Sabbath years and days and those that rejected my rules. And yet even them, I will not reject them, even when they're in the land of their enemies. I will not reject them or spurn them so as to destroy them. I didn't mean that, David. I just got a little hot under the collar. I am their God. Ki ani Adonai Elohechem. I am your God. Do you see how the sandwich now is back together? I'm nervous. I'm scared. But I don't feel rejected. I feel a little manipulated. (laughs) And I will remember... And I remember the covenant that freed me from Egypt because I want to run back to Egypt right now. At least I had rules. But I have rules. I have ways. So it's a real so dynamic tension. Hmm? How do you want me to feel? Ambivalence. And know that it's on you. And you are responsible. And you are responsible for your own worst service. Why, why is there so much negativity and so little positivity in this So, you know, I think it's quantity, not quality. If you think about how often we fetch and moan and bitch, oh, so forgive me, and, and complain versus the times I say, wow, I'm really grateful. What a lovely, what a lovely Torah study. I mean, just think about your life. How often we say gratitude and how often we don't. I don't think, I think all of the yapping the 90-10, I just need a look. I just need a face of the divine. I need a hug. My son gave me a hug right before he left this morning at 6.50. Oh, my God, it made my day. Does he know? You know, that's an instant. And this is how I pee close. Why? This is why. I think. And, and, a, and a desperation into actually the historical, I'm sorry, we're, we're past time to truly remember what the field of experience is, that we can defeat any of our enemies, internal and then external, but that truly our greatest enemies, ourselves, is our own ignorance and negligence. Simply forgetting what we're here to do, to love, to be, to grow, to be fruitful, to multiply. And yes, to light other nations in time, but not till we figure out our own house.